The Dime is sponsored by ETH Revolution. The cannabis industry has unique challenges, which means you need a multifaceted partner to help you navigate the landscape. ETH Revolution has a team of experienced science and business experts to provide a unique analytical approach, providing services from capital to cannabinoid and everything in between. This is The Dime. Dive into the cannabis and hemp industry through trends, insights, predictions, and tangents. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Dime. I'm Brian Fields, and with me, as always, is my right-hand man, Kellen Finney. And this week, we've got a very special guest, Jeff Ragovin, Chief Commercial Officer of Philo. Jeff, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, guys. Uh, appreciate you having me on the show. Looking forward to uh, a fun conversation. Yeah, and just for the record, another East Coaster in the building. Kellen, how are you doing today? I was just going to comment on that. It's been Kind of a theme, West Coast versus East Coast, or at least West Coast educating East Coast. That's why we do this, right? <laughs> that, part, that part is absolutely getting edited out. But so, so, Jeff, before we dive in, I think it'd be great for our listeners to learn a little bit about your background. Sure. So, uh, you know, I'm kind of a, a vet in the uh, the ad tech space. So, you know, have been in the in the tech world for the last 22 years, kind of uh you know, wrote all of the uh, the waves. So email marketing, then, you know, paid and uh, social, um, you know, co-founded the company called Buddy Media, sold to Salesforce in 2012, was at Salesforce for uh, about three years kind of after that. And um, then just started investing in a lot of very interesting companies, started another business in the content space, and then um, found myself in the world of cannabis. And, you know, it's been really fun. You know, I've uh, a ton of... Uh, extracurricular activities. I'm, a, I'm an oyster farmer. I'm a chef. I love to fish. I grow a lot of stuff, including cannabis. So, you know, keep my life very busy lately. And so, yeah, I've been in the cannabis world now for the last few years, and it's been uh, pretty awesome and uh, exciting. And I'm, I'm glad you shared that because your successful track record speaks for itself. And, and I don't want to understate what your accomplishments are. So I guess my first question to you is, after your successful exit to Salesforce, why cannabis? It's a great question, but I kind of looked at cannabis as just another wave, right? So, you know, social, when, you know, people started to flock to Facebook in 2007, it was like, wow, there's a new frontier here. You know, with cannabis, I kind of look at it, even though it's a totally different vertical, it's the same thing, right? I'd say relatively new to the world, uh, obviously a plant that's been around for a long time, but I looked at it as kind of a, there's obviously a big risk of getting involved in something that's federally illegal. So I saw that as kind of an interesting challenge and an opportunity to really kind of go against the stream. So, you know, I would have never in a million years ever thought that I would be in the cannabis space, but here I am. And it's been, uh, it's been pretty awesome every step of the way. So I want to kind of go back to when you first dove into cannabis. Take us into the conversation with Chad Bronstein, the founder. What was his pitch? And if it wasn't Philo, would it be another company in cannabis that you would have aligned with? Probably not, actually. I love that question. You know, Chad and I met at a conference in Dallas, and we were both on a founders panel together. And the panel was really how do you know how do you build a company around people? How do you build a startup the right way? And it was myself and Chad and one other person. And we just instantly were like fast friends. Like after the panel, we're like, hey, that was really cool. And I asked him, I was like, tell me what you're doing with cannabis. And he started telling me about the business. And at that moment, I was investing in a ton of different companies out there. And so I had said to him, I said, well, you know, what's the business model? He's like, well, we're just kind of getting started. We're about to close, you know, a $15 million seed round. And I'm like, okay, what's the revenue? He's like, well, we don't have any revenue yet. I'm like, okay, well, what's the product? He's like, we don't have any products yet. And I'm like, wait, 
So wait, you're raising this money with no product and no revenue yet. How? You know? And so he's just like, dude, there's such an amazing opportunity here for, from a technology perspective to work with these companies, to help them with compliance, to help them with media, to help them with loyalty and rewards and all those things where we've been doing this for years on the tech side, but obviously on the cannabis side, because there's so much compliance that you have to get through, a lot of people are just like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing here. And so to me, that was like a golden ticket. I was like, okay, this is definitely a very interesting uh, and emerging space. And, you know, we just became fast friends and started talking. And, you know, two months later, I was on board. And uh, it's been a crazy ride ever since. We've, we've raised almost $100 million in the last few years and just closed on our Series C this week. So it's been, it's been quite a week for us. Yeah. yeah, it's incredible over the accomplishment. So I want to kind of stay there for a second. Did you know, like in those moments, in those conversations, obviously he's tantalizing you with some of the concepts and the, the ability to kind of like put your foot in the ground and then really accomplish another massive, massive growth opportunity. So was there hesitations from you to kind of dive into another startup like this? I mean, yeah, of course. You know, I, one, I was just like, do I have it in me to do another one? And I think the answer was yes, because I'm a builder. I really like to build. And everyone's telling me, like, Jeff, what you just sold your place in New York and moved out to East Hampton. What are you doing? Why are you doing this to yourself? And I'm like, well, for a victory, another victory, right? And, you know, kind of another uh, very challenging vertical to conquer. You know, I think one of the biggest things that kind of crossed my mind was, shit, this is federally illegal. Like, how am I going to move into a space that is, I mean, this is a, this is a different territory, right? This is totally different yeah. than anything I've ever done in my career. But I saw that as a really unique challenge, right? And I'm like, at this stage of my life and the success that I've had, I'm like, I have nothing to fucking lose. Zero. Only to gain. So I'm like, you know what? This will be a fun task. And, uh, you know, I think coming on board, I was like, wow, there is a lot to learn. You know, just even something simple, like what's an MSO? What's an SSO? Like, these are things you don't hear every day. Obviously, we talk about it now every minute. Um, but I think on the compliance side, I was literally like, whoa, you can't do this in this jurisdiction. You can't do this in this state. And I saw that as a very interesting opportunity to really kind of thrive with technology to make people's lives easier. Really well said. And of course, as you found out, everything in cannabis is just harder. So yeah. let's talk about the value that Philo brings to the space. Can you kind of share, you know, what the role they play in the industry? Yeah. You know, what we're doing right now is, is kind of interesting in the sense that we are, we look at ourselves as, you know, a compliance cloud stack, if you will. So we essentially have four main um, foundations of our business, right? So we have kind of at the base of everything we do is our regulatory database. So we bought a company a couple of years ago called Canaregs. We rebuilt it, uh, we restructured it, and it's essentially every single statute, ordinance, uh, tax map, tax grid, you name it, anything you need if you're a plant touching company, you're looking literally at a thousand sites to find the information. We bring it all in one place, right? So our regulatory database is, you know, law firms use it, MSOs use it, SSOs use it, delivery, like any operators use it. And it's just a very easy SaaS-based product. That kind of has tendrils into our other businesses too, you know, but we have a full-scale media activation business. It's what many of us have done in our careers. And it was kind of a big gap in a lot of these cannabis companies. They're like, yeah, we're just doing billboards or we're just doing, you know, a page in a magazine. It's like, well, why aren't you doing digital programmatic? Oh, well, it's just too difficult because this creative can't run here and this creative can't run there. I'm like, we're going to help you. 
we're going to utilize our regulatory database to understand what we can do with creative and how to deploy it. And so now it's super turnkey. So we have a media division that we really help people you know, drive uh, consumers into their stores and dispensaries. We have a full-scale data business. So essentially we have millions and millions and millions of consumers and what they've transacted with. And we model that data so that we could market to those people in a very effective way. So a multi-state operator might say, hey, I just have a store opening in Boston and I want to drive people who have spent $150 or more on edibles and watch Netflix and shop at Target. We can drive that very specific user into that store and show the attribution if they convert. And that's kind of groundbreaking in the sense that we can really drive through all the, the normal digital channels that you would do if you're a major brand like P&G. Just because you're a cannabis operator doesn't mean you can't do it. We acquired a company in February of this year called Data Owl. And Data Owl is really, it's our promotions engine side of the business. So loyalty, rewards, text messaging, really, once we drive a consumer into the store and then they start you know, to convert and buy things, we could loop them into the you know, rewards program at that specific dispensary. We can you know, literally target people based on their birthdays if they haven't come to the store for 30 days. So it's kind of a closed loop, right? Here's media. We drive them in there. We get them to convert. And now they're on, on the technology side. And so it's an interesting uh, business in the sense that we have many clients that use us for the regulatory side, that use us for the promotions engine, and they also use us for media. And as we kind of have just done our Series C, you know, we're going to be looking into you know, further expansion into you know, buying other companies from an M&A perspective going into 2022. What else can we create in our stack, if you will? I think a lot of companies right now, they literally are using company A for this, company B for that, company C for that. And it's like, why have three contracts with three different vendors when you can do it all in one place? I think that's so important and so understated just from the challenges that everyone faces. And I love the, the building of the ecosystem model, getting a, a partner in once and then letting them use out the different deployments of the verticals in order to keep them kind of continuing on in success. And before we dive into the fun parts of the data, for, from my perspective, I want to go to Kellen from a regulation standpoint, because we've had conversations with operators who are just blown away with the challenges, with the licensing and the regulatory issues, because it's not just a fundamental state difference. It's down to the local jurisdiction and understanding yeah. which ones are opting out. So Kellen, this tool that they're providing for and the value, like how, how much of an insane valuable tool is this for some of the people in the space? And I think it's probably the most valuable tool for anyone looking to get in the space or anyone looking to expand as far as the compliance goes. I mean, we were talking with someone earlier today, actually, um, who runs a vertically integrated operation in Florida. And he, we were kind of chatting about the East and the West Coast differences. And they had some a brand out from the West Coast that was like, have you guys never heard of billboards? Like, why don't you guys advertise on billboards? And he yeah. was like, well, in Florida, that's illegal. And so like that right there, the fact that like that information isn't even readily available. I mean, I can't even imagine how valuable that uh, data set is to operators in the space that are looking to expand into, new, expand into new states. But when I heard about it, my thought was, how valuable has that been for you guys to kind of funnel everyone else into those other verticals that you mentioned? Yeah, I mean, it's so critical. I mean, I think every day you have compliance managers, lawyers, you know, they're literally trying to keep up to date with things that are changing literally tomorrow. Um, and that means they need to understand, you know, everything from, you know, 
advertising and marketing rules and regs on a state level all the way down to a jurisdictional level. Think about like a state like Michigan. They have like 1,300 jurisdictions that all have different rules and regs. Like how do you operate in a state like that? You need literally access to all of those jurisdictions in one place. You know, applications, licensing, banking, um, emerging markets, you know, general regulatory issues, packaging and labeling, um, you know, prohibitions, production, social equity. I mean, there's so many categories that you have to stay abreast on. And, you know, most of the time we will actually surface this information in the platform before it's even available. So people are like, how did you know about that? Well, we have built technology that finds these, um, you know, pieces of information, indexes it. And sometimes we even have an analyst that has to pick up a phone and call, right? Because it's not available for the public yet. We have so much data in the platform itself. Even my team is using it for commercial. So, you know, if somebody gets a license, our platform is picking it up. And so they'll call and say, hey, did you know that there's two other licenses available, you know, in the town next door or three towns away? And they're like, who are you and how did you get my information? And we're like, <laughs> That's well, incredible. we used our platform to uncover <laughs> it and you too could be using it as well. So, I mean, I yeah. think from a, just like a research perspective, even if you have a competitor that's kind of emerging in your market, you want to know what they're doing. Did they get real estate in the same you know, jurisdiction? Are they applying for a certain permit? That's all in the platform. It's really powerful. Is it global yet or is it just focused on the U.S. markets? Yeah. So right now it's only in the U.S. just because even the U.S. to cover all of the states is daunting. But you know, we, have, <laughs> we have plans to bring this to you know, Canada in Europe as this is, things are really starting to accelerate now. Uh, but right now, we're really kind of uber-focused um, on the U.S. Uh, today. Rightfully so. Competitive intelligence as well, though? Like, from a comparative standpoint, obviously, the MSOs are all competing for massive growth, and sometimes they're oh, yeah. strategic positioning themselves in different spots, specifically here maybe in the East Coast, because from a competitive intelligence standpoint, that's got to be so valuable for them to have actionable information. Oh, it's massive. I mean, the, the great thing about the platform is that it's completely customizable. So no single person is using it the same way. We have all these really cool dashboards that you set up and you can create your own query. So I might say, hey, you know, tell me one, tell me when MSO X ever comes up in a search. And that will ping me through email and saying, hey, Jeff, so-and-so just applied for a license or so-and-so is opening up a new store or so-and-so just filed for this permit or application. And so that gives me a very unfair advantage, you know, to really kind of act quickly before something that might impact my business does. I would say the full customization aspect of the platform is really powerful for a lot of people. Do you guys have analysts that also kind of provide some reason to the rhyme as well? And if you're just uh, an operator that's just looking at all of this information, can they pick up a phone and be like, hey, Jeff, why do you think that MSOX is now buying land in Kansas? You know what I mean? We don't offer that just because our phone would be ringing off the <laughs> And we do, we, we do want to you know, look at ourselves as a technology company. We have a very large team of analysts that is actually working in the platform where they're actually creating briefs. So something comes in through the tech, it indexes it, it kind of organizes it. And then the analyst is like, okay, I'm going to create a summary here. So lawyer X at this company doesn't have to read 500 pages. I'm going to give them a quick kind of excerpt. And if they want to continue reading on, they can. Um, the analysts okay. are also in there to make sure everything is sorted correctly and there's no issues or errors. You know, The technology yeah. itself is really doing the legwork. And then the analysts are really making it just easier to read because some of these pages are like, you know, 
some permit processes are 150, 200 pages long. Like who has the time, you know, to read through everything? So it's kind of, you know, it's interesting. I think for us, we've seen the cannabis world itself has really kind of, you know, for this platform has been amazing. So we're in the process right now of actually launching five new verticals going into 2022. So everything from short-term rentals to cryptocurrency to micro-mobility. We know that other highly regulated industries are also going to need something like this at their fingertips. How in real time is the information updated? Is it kind of almost up to the minute? Is there like a lag 15 minute period? Is there some sort of estimate that goes into that? Yeah, I mean, we have basically the technology goes out and literally finds information on where everything is housed every single day. So, you know, it's not pinging like every two seconds. It's pinging multiple times a day and pulling that information in. So generally, let's just say there was a meeting that just, you know, got set up for next Thursday and it literally just went live, we'll bring that in. Somebody will get an alert right at that moment saying, hey, there's a new meeting for Riverhead on a possible uh, use case for recreational consumption. Um, Everything has alerts tied into it so that the user doesn't have to constantly log into the platform and look, sends them an email first, and then there's a direct link that brings them into the platform for ease of use. Beautiful. This is something that's really relevant for you. We've sent it to you if you want to continue on the evaluation come back to the platform. It's a perfect way to continue the cycle of the use. Exactly. And listen, we're really kind of, I'd say we're saving people so much time. I think that it's like understated too. Kellen one time sent me a government document and I asked him a question. He's like, it's somewhere in here. And it was 212 pages. And I was like, this will take me forever to find maybe one sentence. So just understanding that concept would save me a forever amount of time. And it, I couldn't, like it, when you say saving time, it's almost understating how much time it's actually saving. Like I went to go do some like uh, preliminary background research for an, an individual who's interested in the Florida market. And I was just like naively like, oh, I'll just go read the applications from all these 13 companies, right? And I started downloading some of them and it was like, the application was 800 pages. And I was like, I'm going to read the application and then I have to go read the, the regulations that they drafted this application to meet. I was like, whoa, I think this is a little more complicated than just one guy setting off on this mission. (laughs) Yeah, I think too, I mean, one of the other things, guys, that's so kind of critical is that because this space is rapidly changing so much and, you know, you have more states that are coming on board, more jurisdictions that are taking part. Like, I think in a single month alone, and we did some of this analysis, but, you know, there's like hundreds of guidance documents that come out. There's you know, 40 policy changes, two executive orders, you know, three ballot measures, 17 enforcement actions. Like this happens every month, right? And then there's like 300 legislative updates. Like in order for you to keep track of that, you really got to make sure that you have, you know, access and you have a pulse on where that information is. Otherwise, I mean, I can't imagine having to do the research to find it just because there's so many, you know, municipalities and there's so many different, you know, government sites. You need to hire a full-time person just to look, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think just to expand on that, because we've both been on that rabbit hole, is that the client sometimes expectations goes, how hard could it really be to find this information? And you're like, well, it's not hard to find the information. It's hard to find the answers to the the question in the information. I mean, listen, it's all out there. It's this is not like, hey, we have like, you know, the secret sauce of, you know, where it's all publicly available information, but you're talking thousands of documents literally on thousands of different websites. Right. 
do you guys so like if you query that, do you guys then download that information and keep it in your own data file uh, warehouse? So I was just going to tell you guys that too. Sometimes things are removed. Once they're in our platform, they're there forever. Yeah. Oh, that's smart. Because then so somebody governments can pull down and edit stuff. Yeah, yeah governments yeah. can pull stuff down and they're like, oh man, where is that? I don't know where it is. They took it away. We have a record of everything. Yeah. Like everything. And we go back years, years and years and years. So you could go through the archives. You could see everything that's going on. I mean, it's really powerful stuff. Yeah, that is super powerful. Just a small amount of data too. Let's slightly switch gears. Mainstream yeah. brands that want to be in front of cannabis consumers. Can you share more about how Philo helps that? Yeah. So basically what we're doing on the data side is, you know, obviously through our acquisition of Data Owl and various partners, we have access to a ton of data, all transaction data across, you know, different products, different states, different genders. So if you think about it just from a segment perspective, let's just say someone's like, hey, we have a new CBD product that we're looking to launch. We want consumers who have purchased CBD in the past because they're educated. I'm sure you guys know this, but like CBD products through the farm bill being, you know, everywhere, you could buy it in the gas station, you could buy it, you know, at your local uh, convenience store. And some of those products are not very good. And somebody who has never actually purchased CBD is not educated. So they might have tried it and they're like, hey, this stuff doesn't work, right? It doesn't do anything for me, but it could be just a very bad product. So we have the ability to really target uh, consumers who have purchased uh, CBD in the past that are educated and that know. But we actually segment those, you know, profiles, you know, from a CBD perspective, we can get all the way down to beverages, edibles, extracts, concentrates, flour, pills, pets, topicals, vapes. I mean, there's even just CBD, it's, it's so uh, wide. If we wanted to target consumers who have purchased edibles, we have data on, you know, candies, chews, chocolates, baked goods, mints, snacks, you know, list goes on. And we actually have that by transaction type. We had it by, you know, city and state. And then we infuse it with, you know, all the normal psychographic and demographic data that you could target today through an Axiom or an Experium or a Foursquare, right? So, you know, people who go to McDonald's, uh, people who are into, you know, diet, health, and weight loss, people who shop at Target, people who watch Squid Games uh, on Netflix. And we essentially infuse that with the cannabis data. So, you know, a traditional brand, let's just say like an Uber Eats, who's one of our customers, they're buying our data in various markets because they're like, hey, we want to actually target consumers who are transacting with any type of cannabis product because one, we know that they're spenders and not savers, right? And we know, <laughs> we know that they're probably going to be hungry if they're transacting with cannabis. So this could be a unique opportunity at that right moment to infiltrate them with a display ad or connected TV or out of home or whatever it might be. We work with a ton of companies in the you know alcohol and beverage, you know, beer space. And many of them are like, we know that you know more and more people are trying cannabis. We know more and more people uh, who are curious are now avid users. So they're playing defense, right? They might be launching a new product. They want to be able to get in, in front of a cannabis consumer. One, because they're probably more apt to try something new. But also, they have to play defense because I know a lot of my friends who are like, yeah, I don't drink anymore. I just take an edible and don't have a hangover, right? That's a bi- There's a big movement there that's happening. Big. That is so big. But I think also on the flip side, you know, and I try to really get this across to a lot of these CMOs of, you know, pretty large brands out there where they might say, hey, we don't want, we don't really want to do anything with cannabis because we're conservative. And I'm like, okay, but you're not doing anything with cannabis. You're just targeting a new consumer. 
It's a new occasion to market someone that you haven't thought about before. And by the way, they might be a new homeowner, right? So if you're a home goods store, like, or you're a Home Depot, why not be able to, you know, have an ad that you're intersecting with a cannabis consumer? Again, because we know for a fact that they spend, they have a new house, and it's another segment that you never, ever thought about. No one's ever thinking like, yes, let's go and, you know, try to, uh, you know, convert a cannabis consumer to our website. It's just everyday people like you and me, right? Many of us are successful. We built companies, we sold companies. We happen to use cannabis for whatever it might be in our lifestyle. And we're very good customers to target. So I feel like this year alone has been pretty amazing because we have four and a half thousand advertisers mainstream buying our data. That's awesome. Brands that you would never even think about, like even pharmaceutical companies are now buying it because they're like, oh, we definitely want to be able to target people who have arthritis or ailments or have chronic headaches and migraines. Um, you know, try to get them to try our product, right? Because maybe they're using cannabis to help offset their condition. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's an interesting time. All the QSRs, they're loving it. And they're smart, right? As they should. When you say um, QSRs, just to explain for our listeners. Oh, QSRs, like quick serve restaurants. Like, so just think about like all the fast food places. They're like, yep, that's our consumer. And we're going to target them. <laughs> and it's working really well. I don't want to go understated that you used the word infused there. I thought it was perfectly implemented inside. So my, my question would be, so just to make sure I understand correctly. If someone is searching for sleep products, right, then they can be targeted with, let's say, an educational campaign based on CBN and then correlated back to, let's say, more CBN-based products to help with sleeping. And then pharmaceutical-based companies or Johnson & Johnson-based companies can then use programmatic advertising in order to be in front of them continually with competitive products. Is that how you... Yeah, so I think CBN is a perfect one, right? Obviously, you know, I'm using a number of products right now that have CBN because I cannot sleep. Like, I mean, I never could sleep. I think it's just my brain is always going and, you know, we work 24-7. So I definitely, you know, am using those type of products. But, you know, based on that transaction data, like maybe Santa Fe wants to target me with an ad for Ambien, right? Yep. Now, obviously, from my own personal standpoint, I'm trying to not take any type of prescription medications at all. And that's why I focus on plant-based medicine. But for a lot of other people, they might be like, hey, that works, I'll try it. So it's it's a great category um, for so many different uh, reasons. It's not like, hey, it only works for food and beverage. Or, hey, it only works for uh, convenience stores. Or, hey, it only works for alcohol. Like, it works really for everyone. It's fun. Can you see trends in markets by location for, let's say, search history on certain cannabinoids that are rising in popularity? We do have search data for sure. I think where we're really trying to focus our efforts is strictly on the transaction, right? Because we know that they've already converted. We know that they've already purchased. So less about, say, intent and more about, we know this. Actually driving decision. Exactly. And action, quantifying actions. Exactly. So, you know, I think also on the fitness side, that's probably one of the biggest rising categories. Uh, We recently did a, a pretty large campaign with City Row super interesting company. They are kind of, you know, pretty much like the next Peloton, but for indoor rowing. So they have... I've seen that. I've seen that. Yeah. They have studios and then they have an at-home rower, really beautiful uh, screen. I'm also an investor in the company for years now. With them, I was just like, hey, this is a really good opportunity for you guys to really target people who we know are converting on the CBD side. Um, because they're taking CBD for muscle recovery, for holistic yeah. health healing. And so the goal of that is really to drive conversions with at-home rowers. 
And we saw a huge lift there. And so there's just so many other sports-related companies. I mean, think about golf. Golf is a huge, huge category, not just for people who might be smoking a doobie on the course, but also people are taking it for arthritis, for muscle recovery. There's so many golfers now who are behind a CBD brand, right? You know, they're putting their name on it because they're like, yeah, this is really, this is good for you. It's good for your body. It's good for your joints. So it's like cannabis is infused into everything we do now, which is just, I feel like the last year we've just seen so much, you know, critical attention to it, which has been great for our business too. I'm sure. And the more data you have, the way you can make better decisions. And, and I think the way you've kind of structured the, the core concepts allows for not only people inside the space to make valuable decisions, but also outside, which is only just helping individuals as a whole all move forward. Yeah. I think even, by the way, we didn't talk about it, but the entertainment category is huge, right? So like people who are streaming, you know, they're looking to like watch movies, um, you know, the weekends and hang out. And a lot of them also like happen to, you know, recreationally use cannabis because it enhances their experience or yep. gamers even, right? Huge. It's a gamers huge category. Huge category. Right. And I think, you know, I was recently talking with um, Pepsi uh, Mountain Dew and they just launched a completely new uh, product called, I think it's Rise. I think that's the name of it, but they're focused all on gamers, right? hundred percent. They happen to also smoke a lot of cannabis. They do. <laughs> I might just dispel that myth. I don't think cannabis helps your gaming. Maybe that's just me personally, but I have not yeah. found that to, to be a, a performance enhancer for me. Yeah. I mean, listen, that all these studies are saying it is. Probably not for that's me either. I've tried for years. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> listen, I, I, cannabis does not give me any performance enhancement whatsoever. Like, Same. a lot of people are like, oh, it makes me more creative and I could write. Not for me. I go to sleep. doesn't matter if it, whatever the strain is, if it's indica or sativa, I go to sleep. Period. I think it's the way my body is just the way that it metabolizes cannabis. Like I use it for sleep and that's pretty much it. I was the same way. And then I found a certain product category at a certain timing with like a certain kind of dietary reason. And I would then get that uplifting feeling. So it was hard for me to find as well, but it's definitely one of those where you got to kind of tweak the the variables inside to try to find that that combination for you. It's also like everyone's different, right? Personalized medicine, all that stuff. Yeah, so everyone's going to react differently. So. Recently on a podcast, I heard you say creating content through people. How do you mean that can be beneficial for cannabis companies? I'm trying to think where I said that. <laughs> on a podcast, yeah, that was a really bad uh, setup. You were talking about the, the aspects of marketing for a cannabis company, and you were emphasizing the importance of creating content through, through individuals of people in reference for podcasting and other content models. Yeah, again, I'm trying to remember. I, I speak all day long, so I'm trying to remember what the context of it was. But you know, creating content through people could have been my last company too, where we had a full-scale content platform that people would create content on behalf of the brands and then the brands would then utilize that in their paid efforts, right? So if I like a product and I'm creating content around it, right? You know, it's somewhat influential in a sense, right? Yeah. Um, And not paid, of course. Like if I really like a product, I'm going to talk about it to my friends, right? And I feel like we are all influencers in our own sense. Like we influence our friends and family to buy things based on our experience. So for me, if I happen to be taking a product with, let's just say CBN, and I did recently have, it was a great product. I think it was CBD distillery. I bought it from there. And like, I would totally post about it for friends who also can't sleep and say, hey, if anyone's tried this or hasn't tried it yet, this is a really good way to get a good night's sleep. So I feel like influencing others through something that you might be putting out there or a story, or an update. Obviously, with a lot of the social platforms, there's a lot you can't do. 
with marketing, right? So Facebook, Instagram, Google, they don't allow any cannabis operators to do any type of paid um, you know, ads. And so it's almost important to rely on people until that opens up, until it's federally legal, to have them actually talk about products that are good for them. And that's why I wanted you to expand on, because I think that's so important because we've had contacts with operators in the space and they're looking to kind of do raise brand awareness and they're wondering, do I do social media? And then, you know, you turn on the news and you see truly have lost their Instagram because they took it right. down. And it's just one of those where investing in that platform when there's all these other challenges, creating content through individuals around, let's say, educational stuff or podcasting or just reviews on products can be so beneficial for raising that brand awareness. Yeah. Well, I think too, I mean, listen, I, so I have a show called Alchemy. You know, I release an episode every week and it's with so many different, you know, types of cannabis operators like MSOs, SSOs, dispensaries, celebrities, like recently had Mike Tyson on, you know, he obviously just launched Tyson 2.0. Al Harrington, right? He just sold his company. Daniel Carcillo, who started off really, you know, he was a two-time Stanley Cup champion. He started off in the CBD space. You know, he's the founder of Wisana, which is all around, you know, medicine around psychedelics and psilocybin that are helping, you know, treat traumatic brain injury. And so I feel like podcasting today is so critical because we are educating the world on all these amazing benefits of plant-based medicines in so many different businesses, right? I think it's, it's a critical time for us, you know, you guys as well, obviously having your show, getting out there, talking to people, showing the value of what's happening and that this is a, a, this is a true, not just a business, but this is a true life-changing opportunity for a lot of people. Let's switch gears. That's well said. Yeah, really well said. We're going to switch gears. We're going to do a little rapid fire. Okay. I do that all the time with people. It's, <laughs> it's funny to be on the other side. You're going to be on the other side. I got one question I'm ready to send you. But the first one is second favorite sports activity after fishing. I was going to say fishing. Um, second favorite, I'd say paddleboarding. Cannabis product category you're most bullish on for growth over the next five years. So I'm just learning about this, but I'm completely fascinated. Um, but uh, what is it? THCV. What I'm reading is that it's like Adderall, but healthy, right? Okay. It, it does curb your appetite, but it's really good for focus. And so I haven't tried it yet, but neither. I feel like the last month, everywhere I go, I'm hearing it. Everywhere I go, I'm reading about it. So I'm definitely going to try it. And I definitely, I was on Adderall at one point in time, you know, years ago, and I, I hated it because it was, I didn't like the way it made me feel but it did make me focus. Yeah. So I think this could be, it could be a breakthrough opportunity. And I think if I you that. use the marketing slogan, Adderall, but healthy, and then target, let's say college campuses, <laughs> you will <laughs> crush it. <laughs> you will crush it. Right, exactly. All right. As a home cook, infused meals or no? You know, non-infused. Have you dabbled? I mean, no, I, like I've made some edibles before, but I just kind of feel like, it's just the amount of time that it takes for something infused to hit. It's kind of like, well, don't you want to enjoy it either when you're already high or, you know, then you're eating it and then you're high later. I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. How useful would you be in a zombie apocalypse? Oh, my God. I ask this question all the time. I want to know. You, <laughs> have you, ne- you never answer. You never answer. This is my favorite question. I, I ask all the time. I've asked it probably to four or five guests. So. If there was a zombie apocalypse, would I be a good like teammate? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I, I mean, you've, you've, asked, you've asked all of your guests and they've all responded. So I need to yes. know. I would be the number one, right? Because, well, I'm not that fast anymore, but I used to be fast. But 
listen, I could cook for I could cook for everyone, so I could feed us. I like I'm that. I'm a gardener, so I can grow. I'm a fisherman, so I could hunt. Um, and um, I can kick the shit out of zombies. So I feel like I would definitely be a good teammate. And then, you know, if I was the last one standing and somebody else was there, I have really big calves, so I could always give a calf to someone to eat. If there was wow. no food. Wow. Right? I, would, <laughs> I, would, I would give a leg away. That is very heroic. I didn't expect that last part. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's so funny. You know, I had a guest on the show two years ago, a week before COVID, and I asked that question. And I just had her back on two weeks ago. And I released the episode two weeks after COVID and it was kind of weird timing because we weren't talking about COVID and it was kind of, we, we did have a zombie apocalypse, so to speak. Right. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> good times, good times. So one more question for you and then we'll dive into some of our uh, predictions. Yeah. Future roadmap for Philo. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, I mean, we're already moving into 2022, like in a month. So with our current, you know, Series C, we just raised 40 million on Tuesday. So we are definitely going to be out there looking at, you know, more M&A activity and expanding, you know, our compliance cloud offering. There will definitely be some activity coming down the line without a question. So since you've been in the cannabinoid industry, what has been the biggest misconception? I would say the biggest misconception, I think it's just the general population thinking about, you know, cannabis and being stone, like stoner mentality. And I find it's completely opposite, right? I think people are sophisticated, you know, business types that utilize it for so many different reasons. But I think that is definitely a misconception that it's definitely starting to go away, but it's still there, right? There's still some people like, oh yeah, they're a stoner. No, I don't think everyone who I work with in the industry, it's like, even at all these events, like most people are not even smoking, right? It's kind of time and place for everything. Agreed. Yeah, I think that's a real big East Coast thing. We're still we're still fighting, and hopefully, we'll get our act together soon. Yeah. So, before we do predictions, we ask all of our guests if you could sum up your experience in a main takeaway or lesson learned to pass onto the next generation. What would it be? That's a great question. I think my biggest focus here would be that you have to fail, you have to make mistakes, uh, you have to fuck up, uh, because if you don't, you don't learn, right? And so we we all make so many mistakes every day. Um, and we get better, right? And that's how, even if you think about it just from a simple gaming methodology, right? You're playing a video game and you keep dying, but eventually you get past that level because you learn what to do and what not to do. So I feel like life is exactly the same way. Um, we have to fail to get better and to grow and to learn. And, you know, no one's perfect and that's okay. Beautiful said. All right, prediction time. Marketing a brand in cannabis has its own set of unique challenges. Jeff, what is one platform or concept that you think is underutilized by cannabis companies today that, that they should start doing today to make a difference down the road? So I think, you know, I would say, and this is just because it's my business, but, you know, on the programmatic side, I think more cannabis companies need to take advantage of that. I think most of them are not because they don't realize that you can run programmatic ads across mainstream real publisher sites like USA Today, Condé Nast, Sports Illustrated. I think that's something that people really need to dig their, their heels into because you have the ability to target very specific consumers wherever they hang out instead of wasting ad dollars on people that have never converted before. So I think more and more people need to start, you know, at least on the cannabis side, saying, hey, I could use all the tools that everyone else uses. I think it's, a, it's the right time right now. Definitely. Kellen. I think it is from a, a data use case. 
I don't think enough brands are making decisions on products to launch and mm-hmm. areas to launch that product from a data perspective. I think of it, it's a lot squishier right now, at least from, from conversations I've had with operators. It's a lot of shooting from the hip and not a lot of implementing these these data companies that have that are compiling all of the information. So I think moving forward, the really successful brands in say like five years are going to be very, very data centric. Totally. I agree. Turns out if you've got information that's helpful in making decisions, it's helpful in making decisions. (laughs) What a concept. For me, I'm going to choose a social media platform that I think is underutilized still, TikTok. I think that cannabis brands and people can be utilizing that platform to create ongoing content from an educational standpoint to just do total brand awareness. They've got this virality factor. I definitely said that word wrong, where you can post something and kind of spread like wildfire. And I think it's still underutilized to a standpoint where cannabis companies need to be creative because they can't use some of the techniques like you were saying. They struggle with Facebook and Google. So they need to come up with other ways to kind of generate that buzz. And I think TikTok is a good way to do that. That's a good point, actually. I wonder what the rules are with TikTok. Like, I was just thinking that. I don't know. Because I, don't, I haven't heard anyone really talk about content or ads or anything on TikTok for cannabis at all. Have you seen any companies in general using no. TikTok as like an ad platform? Does it have no. to be a, a human being? or I, I think it can a, be educational focus, right? I, I mean, there's different ways to do it. I mean, I haven't dabbled in promoting brands since obviously we don't have that. But it's always been a concept where I feel like it's underutilized. And it's one where it might be able to spread a little faster if people kind of utilize their algorithm and their platform because they've got really, really strong reach. And, and posting one video could generate thousands and thousands of views. Yeah, pretty much instantaneously. I mean, yeah. TikTok, geez, what a, that's another one that's just exploded. I mean, I, I, I was very much like, I'm not going to be on TikTok and I'm not going to waste any time there. And now I find myself when I get up in the morning and it's 5 a.m. and I'm still in bed, I'm scrolling. Like... It is the most entertaining, easy, mindless uh, experience. Uh, and it's crazy <laughs> because those algorithms really know what you like. It's yeah. right. And so then it really starts showing you stuff that it's like, whoa, how did they know that? How did they know I want to see dog content? Right. Uh, it's crazy. And they progress with you, right? As your interests change and your, your ideas change, they progress with you. And you're like, this is really wild. They know everything about me. It shows me like TikTok shows me everything around food, cooking, dogs. Fishing, I'm like, yeah. this is nuts. Yeah. This is too, they know too much about me. Yeah. They're like, Jeff, this, this, you want this, Jeff. And you're like, I absolutely I want this. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, Jeff, for those that want to get in touch, they want to learn more, where can they, they, they find you? I'm easily findable everywhere, but I would say email is probably the best route. It's just Jeff at hellofilo, F Y L L O dot com. And the podcast name? Podcast is called Alchemy, the Alchemy Podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time, Jeff. This was fun. Awesome, guys. It was great to be on the show. And uh, thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. 
Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has canna conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects network.